Awesome. We're talking about the Gospel of John. Turn with me to First John chapter 1, verse 35. This is being taped and placed on the Internet as well as it's broadcasting live across the Internet right now. MetroPraise.org, you get all these messages. If you can't make it on a Friday, just sit to your computer, put it on. You can see me smiling at you. Make some noise for the people listening across America. Come on. This is how we And uh, the... The, the play that we did, it's actually going to be on Christmas Day. So channel 36, 4 p.m., Christmas Day. If you all got cable, 4 p.m., you sit at home with your family, you can watch the play because God bless this play. How many like the play? Did y'all like that? Amen. So you can see yourselves on TV, those who are in it. So we got it going on. John chapter 1, verse 35 is going to take us to our next part of Jesus' life. You see, what I realize is that a lot of people come to church, but they never get into this. They never get into the Bible. So you know what I said I was going to do? I said, man, look, I'm going to go through the entire book of John. So all you have to do is come to church, just show up. Just some, Somebody say, show up. And you're going to hear the entire book of John. Now, as you can see, in three weeks, we have not been moving very fast. In three weeks, we're only on John chapter 1, verse 35. Now, there is 20 chapters of John, Reuben. So just put that in the, in the computer up there and figure out how long it's going to be. Right, brother, we have already just gone 35 verses, and it's been three weeks. I can only imagine what 20 chapters are going to be like. This may be a five-year project. Somebody say, help our pastor. You see, but I'm going to tell you why I'm doing it. Because a lot of you come to church and you never read this. You never go home and you read your Bible, man. And I'm, I'm here to say, you know what? I love preaching. I really do. How many can tell I love to preach? Man, I will preach myself silly, man. My wife hears me in the shower and I'm like, Jesus! She's like, what you doing? I'm just preaching! And I preach shit like that in the shower! I'm kidding. Y'all look at me crazy. But you know what? I love to preach, but man, just preaching is not going to change anything, man. Just being a good speaker is not going to do it. Just giving you all some candy and some good music and all the stuff we do. But the only thing that's going to change you is the Word of God and Jesus that's spoken about in that Word. Amen? Now, come on. Somebody say amen. So we're not here to play with you, man. So we're in John chapter 1, verse 35. If you're there, say I'm there. Now, the beautiful thing about this is, is that you can go home during the week and catch up or get ahead. So if you weren't here last week, go to the Internet, listen to the message, and read those verses. If you're not going to be here next week, go ahead and read it yourself. By the time we finish this study right here, you could have read the book of John like ten times. And I guarantee you, every time you read it, you'll get something different from it. Reviewing the book of John, it was written by the youngest disciple, John. He was about 16 when he met Jesus. How many know that's young, man? This dude was... 16 years old and Jesus like come follow me I'm going to use you to change the world hence the reason why I picked the book because if God could use him he can use you it's the last of the four gospels it was written around 90 AD so John was 16 when he first met the man but now he's about 76 he's an old man he's telling his story and the Bible says that in John 20 verse 31 that these things were written that you might believe in Jesus and that he's the what somebody say the Christ and that he's the what the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you may have what? Life in His name. Now, today's lesson is all going to be about discipleship. Somebody say disciples. 
Now, I know being in Chicago right here, we got a lot of gangs uh, making different claims to what they are, and one of the gangs is disciples. But I want to tell you something. Before that word was ever used by Hoover in Chicago and all these other people, uh, disciples was a name for a follower of Christ. And I don't want you all to get yourself beat up or in trouble or flip sides. I hope you do not in the gang. But this is the real meaning of disciple. Somebody say, I am a disciple of Christ. Now watch Jesus how we made this happen. Verse 35. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, says the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. He had some disciples. Isn't that something? Even John the Baptist making disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look. The Lamb of God. So John knew who Jesus was. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. So before Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist was on the scene, and he had disciples. We're going to learn more about what that word means. They were following John. But then now John says, I'm not the man. You need to follow the man. Look, Will, sit between this man right here, right here to my man, Alex. Matter of fact, Alex, you go sit to the back, all right? Strike one. Let's give it up for my man for the first strike of the night. Yeah. Now sit up, cheer. No, 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 Will. Sit right here because I want my visitor getting influenced by that. God bless you, brother. I'm glad you came. I want you to hear this. Thank you. All right. Now look at this. It said, when the two disciples heard them say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Verse 39, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Everyone look up here, please. Here you got John the Baptist with his disciples. Jesus comes walking by, and he's like, look, man, I'm not the man anymore. You need to follow Jesus. And immediately they start following Jesus. And then guess what? They go get other people to start following Jesus. So disciples now making disciples to follow Jesus. Somebody say, all right. Now look at verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So right here, the boy's name was John, but now he says, you know what, you're going to be in this clique, I'm changing your name to Peter. It's like me looking at Sherman saying, man, you're going to follow the Lord, I'm going to call you the rock, because that's what that word means, the rock. Peter means the rock. Simon just means a, like a little pebble. He said, no, you ain't going to be a little pebble with me anymore, I'm going to change your name to the rock. Somebody say, the rock! All right, keep going. That's what Peter means, by the way. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Now finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Somebody say, follow me. So Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. Philip found Nathaniel. So look, Philip's being called. Now he's calling Nathaniel. Now there's four folks following Jesus. He said, we found one of Moses who wrote about in the law, about who the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And the man says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see, Philip said. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under a fig tree before Philip even called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I saw you under a fig tree. You, see greater, you will see greater things than this. And then he added, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Somebody say, disciples. Here it is, Jesus walking by. John the Baptist got two people following him. You know what John the Baptist says? Hey, dude. Y'all follow Jesus. Andrew and John now follow Jesus. They begin to start following him. And then guess what? 
All of a sudden, they're like, man, we got to go get Peter. And then Peter starts following him. And then he goes gets his brother. And then all of a sudden, they get Nathaniel. And then Nathaniel says, let me go get my friend Philip. And as Philip is coming up, Jesus says, man, I know you. And he starts telling them, man, I saw you sitting under the tree. Imagine one of you guys coming to church like David your first time showing up. And I'm like, David, I saw you on the corner of the street three weeks ago eating an elote. I know who you are. You'd be like, oh, man, come on, you know me, man. You know, and Jesus just called these dudes out. And they're like, man, you are, you are the Christ. Man, you know everything about me. I want you to look up the list right here. I want to give you some definitions, okay? Let's answer some questions. Number one, how many disciples did Jesus eventually have? How many? Everybody say 12. So the answer to the first question, Jesus eventually gets 12 men to follow him. Now, I want you to learn what this word disciple means. The word disciple means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means to be disciplined and to live like Jesus. Everybody say, a disciple lives like Jesus. Now, look at this. That's what we're supposed to be. Now, the word Christian is found in the Bible. It's not a bad word. But that word just means a follower of Jesus and a person who looks like Jesus, which is a good thing. But it's only used three times in the entire Bible. Everybody say a Christian. Now, the word believer means to believe in God. How many believers do I have? Make some noise. All right, amen. But do you know that the word believer is only found how many times? Two times. But do you know that word disciple, that means to be a student, to be trained, to be like Jesus, is found 259 times. So what do you think Jesus wants us to be, y'all? Come on, shout it out. What does he want us to be? Somebody say disciples. Disciples. Come on, we need to get excited. You know what? You go to your school. Maybe they give you a census report. I know your parents get it for their taxes. And they're going to say, what religion are you? Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, Christian. And we'll be like, oh, I'm Christian. And maybe one day somebody might walk up to you and be like, do you believe in God? Do you believe there's a God out there? You'd be like, yeah, I believe there's a God. And so now you're a believer. So you are Christian and you a believer. But this word disciple something else. This is not just something you just kind of say flippantly, like, oh, yeah, I'm a disciple. No, 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 no. A disciple lives like Jesus, talks like Jesus, walks like Jesus. Those 12 men, after they had been with Jesus for three years, turned the world upside down. A disciple is something God wants you and I to be. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to get it on. Be a disciple. Question number two says, what does the word disciple mean? It means to live like Christ, to be a follower of Jesus. How many times is it used in the Bible? 259 times. Now, I want you to look at these boys right here. These are 12 men right here. Some of them were young men. Some of them were only 16 years old. John was the youngest. Here's how they come about. Peter and Andrew were brothers. They got called first. Then James and John, they were brothers. They got called second. Then remember our man Philip? He gets called fourth, and he calls his boy Nathaniel to come. And then Matthew, he's called next. He's the seventh one to come. Now the rest of them, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, we don't hear exactly where they come, but in the Bible we see them appear on the scene. Here's the thing. Jesus started picking out people. He started saying, look, Adam, man, I want you to follow me. I want to show you what the kingdom of God is like. And you know what these men had to do, guys? They gave up their families. 
Some of them had great jobs. Imagine being 16 years old and Jesus saying, man, let's go for three years and let's leave the country. Let's travel around and sleep on mountainsides. Let's eat, uh, eat from the ground. Let's drink from the streams. Jesus began to make these guys leave everything. Now, ask yourself this question. Were these people any different than you and I? Was Peter any different than you and I? Was John any different than you and I? Was there anything about these men? And I know they were men and women, so that obviously would make them different. But I'm talking about in the character of their heart. Was there anything different about them and me and you? Come on. No. We are just normal people. The Bible says he doesn't play favorites. So when he went out and picked them, you know what I think he did? I think he just picked the most ordinary people. None of these people rich. None of these people famous. None of these people had a good reputation, like, uh, I mean, a big reputation, like their name was on billboards. No, he just picked normal guys. Peter, you're a fisherman. You work every day, nine to five, hard for your family. You're out there, you know, fishing. I want you to follow me. He walks over to this guy named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, and he was crooked. It's like he worked for the mafia. He made money on the side. God's like, look, I'm going to pick a hard case. I'm going to pick somebody that nobody else would pick. I'm going to pick you, Matthew. Come follow me. It's like him picking me, high school dropout, incarcerated eight times before I was an adult. I'm not saying I was the worst of the worst, but I was pretty bad. And God said, look, I'm going to pick Joe. And then you know what this guy right here, Simon the Zealot, that means silent, the, Simon the bout it, bout it, straight killer. Are you listening? This guy right here, the Zealot, man, he was a part of a revolution. These guys were trying to fight for freedom in Jerusalem against the Roman oppression. And God said, look, I'm going to call up one of these crazy guys like Will. One of those guys that used to run and gang bang and slang. I'm going to call somebody like that. You see, he called nice guys. He called old people. He called people that were straight thieves. He called people that were just hard workers. And he said, look, I'm going to show the world that through 12 people, 12 ordinary men, I can change this place. Oh, y'all should get excited about that. Jesus Christ said, I'm going to pick 12 people to change this world. Man, 2,000 years later, this book is the most read book in the entire world. Jesus' name is the most popular name in the entire world. And there's over 1 billion people believing in Jesus Christ. Some unto death being persecuted and killed right now. All because these 12 men said, Jesus, alright, we're going to do this. Let's get it on. That one lying thief was a traitor. You know why? Because he loved money. Bible says Judas Iscariot, what was his job? He was put in charge of the money. And every time people would give Jesus money, look, Jesus, we want you to have some food tonight. Go ahead and have some of this. You know what Judas started doing? He started pocketing the money. It shows you a lesson right there. What you don't give to God sooner or later will kill you and hang you. Because the man ended up killing himself and hanging himself because he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You might say, oh, I just like the club. I just like the club. You just keep putting the club before Jesus. That's going to be the very thing that messes you up. You might say, oh, I just like the streets. That's going to be the very thing that messes you up. You say, oh, I just like having boyfriends, ladies. That will mess you up. See, when Jesus did not want to leave it all behind, that's what came up behind him, choked him, and killed him. Let's be a disciple for real, for real. Somebody say amen. That's just the introduction. Look to your neighbor and say, he about ready to preach. Woo! Let's have some fun here. Now, look at this right here. Three things that the disciples did. Did you all write down the uh, 12 names? If you did, somebody say, I did. All right, thank you. Let me get you this right here. Three things every disciple had in common. Whether they were rich, whether they were poor, whether they were crazy straight killers, whether they were thieves and robbers, it didn't matter. All of them did these three things. Number one, they left everything to follow Jesus. 
The rich man left his money. The poor man left his family and friends. The fishermen left his job. They owned their own business. They left everything. Number two, they were trained to live like Jesus. This was boot camp. This wasn't just come to church for an hour. This wasn't just like, hey, come to church, let me feed you a magical wafer, and then you all just go home and do what you got to do and come back again and ask for forgiveness because that's really what you want to do as a Christian. No, Jesus didn't say it's going to be easy like that. He said, look, I'm going to train you. I'm going to be in your life three years. I'm going to find out if you're looking at Jennifer Lopez in the bathroom with strawberry lotion. Guys, I'm going to get up in your face, ladies. I'm going to see what you do in the mirror when nobody's around. Jesus said, look, we're going to live, sleep, drink, eat together, and trained together for three years. Somebody say they bowed it, bowed it. I got to bring some of the south every now and then up to the north. That's what they used to say in the south, Master P day. Bowed it, bowed it. You see, Jesus said, I'm going to raise up some soldiers. Now look around. Look at all these churches. You see soldiers? The people in your, 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 your school, do they look like they any different than anybody else? Do they look cool? I mean like radical cool? Are they praying and reading their Bible? No, you know why? Because in this generation, in this time, the last days, you know what all we got? It's just people who call themselves Christians and say they believe in God. I should just stop right there. Because y'all got to want this. Because all we got right now, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Oh, good, you believe in God. All right, hand clap. Devil believes in God. Does that make him anybody? Hello? You go to your school, people with crosses around their neck. Look at your favorite album. Oh, we want to thank God. Oh, you want to thank God. But you asking the girl to take off her clothes, just the last song. But you want to thank God for all that. We got hypocrites. We got moms and dads when they go to church. Christmas and Easter. Oh, come on, kids. Let's go to church. Is that changing anything? Is that keeping your friends from off the streets? Is that keeping divorces from happening? Is that keeping families from breaking up and fathers leaving their kids? Is that, is that changing anything? Hello? See, number two, they were trained to live like Jesus, man. If you guys come to this church and you say, man, I'm about this thing, we're going to train you to live like Jesus. Somebody say, I am. And the third thing, they were sent out to do what Jesus said. He didn't just say, stay on these chairs. You know what old timers used to call the chairs you're sitting on right now? Pews. Everybody say a pew. You know why they call them pews? Because if you stay on them too long, you stink. Pew. God didn't just call you to come to church and be like, I go to church on Fridays. Here I am with my Bible. He called you to take that Bible, walk on down the street, get on the bus, and start making a difference for Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to be a disciple and serious about this thing. All right? Now let me give you one point at a time. Here it is. I like to say it's our vision. Everybody say, connect, mentor, send. The first thing is God wants you to connect with him. Leave everything. Maybe friends don't want to be your friends anymore once you become a Christian. Maybe they don't call you up to go out anymore. First thing I realized when I became a Christian, those guys that called themselves my friends were not. I remember the very first time I thought they were my friends. I got saved. Adam Chamness was my boy. I'm like, hey, Adam, what's up, man? He's like, dude, we're going over to so-and-so's house. You want to come over there? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to be over there. But listen, man, I'm a Christian now. I just asked the Lord in my heart last night at my mom's house. Look, dude, I'm not going to do any drugs. I ain't going to do anything. Oh, come on, dude, you can come. Just hang out. I'm like, cool, let's go. I sit on the couch. Three hours go by, people chiefing, smoking weed, clouds of smoke, drinking. Every like now and then my friend would just walk up, hey, Joe, how you doing? I'm like, I'm okay. I'm just sitting here. He's like, all right, we'll talk later. <laughs> snorting, uh, smoking weed, snorting coke. You know what I found out? That dude wasn't my friend. 
The next day he called me. Hey, dude, you coming over? I was like, look, man, we didn't even, we didn't even hang out. Listen to me. I don't do drugs anymore. He said, okay, what, what do you want to do? I said, look, dude, let's just go out to eat. It was like so foreign to my friend. He was like, let's do what? I'm like, let's just get something to eat. And he said, oh, okay, where do you want to go to eat? I'm like, man, let's just go to Arby's. I'll meet you there at 4 o'clock. And this was only two days after I was a Christian. I wasn't a preacher. I didn't even know how to be a preacher. I was just a Christian. I didn't want to do drugs anymore. That was my life. And I said, okay, Adam. He said, okay, let's go. Let's meet there at 4. I waited at that place for an hour. The dude never showed up. You see, when you connect to Jesus, you're going to have to leave some stuff behind. You ain't going to be able to come with all your friends. I wish all your friends would come with you, but sometimes they're not going to come, and you're going to have to keep on following Jesus. Not everybody around you is going to give you a hand clap and say, oh, you want to follow Jesus now? Oh, we're so proud of you, Lewis. Oh, we're going to give you a, a ribbon and a, and, a, and a brand new car. No. Some people are going to say, I'll never be your friend again. You know what? We need to decide to connect to Jesus. Everybody say, Connect. When the light, uh, when the when the plug of the light goes in, the light comes on. When the plug comes out, the light goes off. We need to connect to Jesus and keep the light on, no matter what it costs us, who we've got to leave, what happens. No matter what happens, because the moment we unplug, we go dead. We find darkness again. And I said to myself when I first got saved, I don't care who's going to hell. They're not worth me going to hell with them, man. There ain't nothing they got that I want anymore. If I got to go to heaven by myself, if I got to be my own friend, clap for my Myself, gotta talk to myself. I'll be crazy going to heaven because nobody's worth going to hell for. Hello? Man, I'll play checkers by myself. I remember the first friend that I had was a 50 year old man living in a nursing home. Old Arnold, but Arnold loved me, man. Arnold said, Look, I'm gonna teach you, man, about Jesus. And then all of a sudden I got to Bible College in New Orleans. And then the Lord started bringing me out into the hood and nine, uh, nine different projects I worked in. And you know what I began to find out? is there's a lot of people like me looking for friends. And I just married one of them not too long ago. 25-year-old Joe from the Calio looked at me. He said, Pastor, I called you up here to be my best friend and a, my best man in the wedding. He said, because you found me out in the projects, you gave me another family, another place to be on Friday night. And, man, it made a difference in my life. Now I'm married. I'm in the military, a sergeant. And he said, Brother, thank God for you, man. You're my family. That's what I'm talking about. I'll leave everything for that. Somebody say, a disciple leaves everything to follow Jesus. That's connect. The second thing is mentor means you get trained. Third thing is you get sent out. Everybody say, connect, mentor, send. Let's go through them one at a time. That's our vision, by the way. Connect, mentor, send, receive Jesus, learn to live like Jesus, go share Jesus. See the connect right there? Plug into Jesus. Learn to live like Jesus and go take Jesus to the world. Yeah, you're wearing the cross, but are you preaching the message of the cross? Y'all need to be cross-eyed. People need to look at you different because your message is different. Amen? Now here comes the message. Turn with me to Matthew 4:18, and somebody say, connect. Come on, I'm still preaching. I need your help. Somebody say, connect. Matthew 4.18 is going to show you what these guys had to do. You might say, oh, it would be easy if Jesus came to me and said, leave everything. No, it still would be hard. I'm not trying to say you're, uh, me as your pastor, I'm Christ perfect and everything. But I'm here to say, man, I'm a disciple making disciples. And I'm asking you to leave stuff behind, not for me, but for Jesus. And Matthew, right, right here, 4, is going to tell us what it took for some men. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Now look what Jesus says. Come and follow me. He said, and I will make you fishers of men. Everybody look up at me. First thing Jesus said is, come on, boys, follow me. Second thing he says, I'm going to make you a leader. 
How anybody can call themselves a Christian and not understand that has to be mentally retarded. I don't have any, I aren't being offensive towards people that have issues. Listen to me. I'm talking about people that can read this and still be brain dead. Look, Jesus said it as clear as possible. Come, follow me. All right, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. What's the next step? And I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You cannot be up in the church, up in this thing, and not see your purpose as a leader. It goes hand in hand. Follow Jesus and go get others to follow mine. You all got to put that in your mind. Never think to yourself, I'm just a Christian because I come to church. I believe in the Bible. No, forget all that. You are Christian because you are here to love God and go out there and love some people and get them to come to heaven with you. It's, it may be fun going to heaven right now, but it's a whole lot funner when your friends and your family and your community get saved with you. Amen. I could have stayed home on a Friday night and said, oh, I'm going to heaven. I'm not on drugs anymore. I have a nice house. I have a nice car. Oh, I don't need to worry about nobody. But every time I walk out these doors, and David and Will, and everybody can tell you, every time we walk out these doors Friday night, you always see young people hemmed up against police cars. The Lord told me, son, start a youth ministry. So we started two years ago on Halloween night. My wife and I, bag of candy. Hey, man, here's some candy. God bless you. Come to our youth group, dodging eggs as people were throwing them at us. I was like, boy, these people are crazy but two years later this place is packed give the lord a hand clap of praise you might tell me it won't make a difference in your friend's life they told me it wouldn't make a difference in your life but you're sitting here that's why i'm so proud of everybody coming here tonight i don't take this lightly but look what jesus now says to you he says man follow me and go get others to follow me and look what they did verse 20 at once they left their nets and followed him at once They left their credit cards and followed him. At once, they left their shopping malls and their friends and followed him. Everybody follow me right here. At once, they left their boyfriends and girlfriends and followed him. At once, they left their gangs and their thugs and they followed him. At once, they left their dreams of the NBA and followed him. They put God first. They said, God, you are the man. You the king of kings. I'm going to follow you. That's what it's about. A disciple says, everything now, I'm leaving for Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus in this world and then have nothing and then to have everything and lose him in eternity a real disciple understands it's not even it's not even a debate have jesus or the world i'd rather have jesus you got to get to that place there's something about jesus man this is not a religion this is not follow muhammad and pray five times towards mecca as a muslim this is jesus man this man loves us he died on the cross for us you can feel his presence when you pray he'll wipe tears from your eyes he'll give you strength when you don't have anyone anything man he'll be there with you when everyone leaves you this is jesus he's worth it all somebody say he's worth it all now, going on from there, he saw another two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and the brother John. There, there we go, the man who wrote the book of John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat, and what? And who else did they, who else did they leave? And their what? They left their boat, and their what? And their father they said, family, I got to go. Dad, I love you, Poppy, but I got to go follow this man now. Mom? I love you, but I got to go. I used to sleep in my car. I did time in juvenile penitentiary like three or four different times. Forty days was my most time. I would wake up drunk in places, and I'm like, where am I? I'm so serious. This is not to boast. The people that most of the girls I had sex with, I don't even know their names. Listen to me, people. But the moment I got saved, 
And I laid in my house because I, I, I dropped out of school at 16. I lived on my own. I was selling drugs. Listen to me. So when I came back home as a Christian, when my mom led me to the Lord at, at my kitchen table at November 5th, 1995, and I laid in my bed for the first time, I began to shake. I said, man, I'm scared. I have not gone to bed. I'm, I'm so serious. I was thinking, man, I have not gone to bed without getting high for so long. Man, I don't think anybody's going to be my friend anymore. And I started shaking. And I went to my dad's door. My wife will tell you. 18 years old, incarcerated. Man, I wasn't a joke, but I wasn't the hardest of the hard. But when this time I was a man, I knocked on my dad's door. Mom and dad, can I sleep in your bed tonight with you? 18 years old. And I got into bed with my dad, and I said, Dad, I feel scared. And he just put his arm around me. He says, Son, God is with you, man. He said, Do not give up. Praise God. He said, Do not give up. And I want to tell you something. When my Bible college was in New Orleans, I didn't choose to go down to New Orleans. When I had to go down to New Orleans, I never lived in the South. I was from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And by the way, y'all can tell I'm about as Caucasian as they come. I got some Southern in me now. I've been there. I was there seven and a half years. But listen to me. I was scared. I was like, man, I'm moving to New Orleans. I don't even know anybody there. And I remember my dad brought me to the Bible college. And he was driving away. And I had to leave my father. And I want to tell you, I've never cried like that. I went into my room, grown man, just tears coming down my eyes. I've, I've left my dad. The only one that I really knew was there for me. My mom and my dad, they hugged me in the middle of the night when I was scared. I mean, these are the only people that love me. I'm in a city with witchcraft and voodoo. I don't even know what I'm going to do. And at that moment, Jesus Christ said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, though your father and your mother leave you, I'll never leave you. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And I realized that day that there was no close friend than Jesus Christ because he sticks closer to your side than a father, a brother, and a mother. I want to tell you something. You want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave some things behind. And they're not all bad. It's not all drugs and, and sex and rock and roll and whatever. Some things you're going to have to leave behind that you love, that mean more to you than anything else. But God's going to say, follow me. And sometimes that journey may hurt, but it's worth the reward of knowing Jesus Christ. How many people here are happy to know Jesus Christ and have him in your life? If you're happy, can you praise him? I wouldn't trade Jesus Christ for anything. They left all that they had. They left their father. They left their boats. They said, Jesus, I'm following you. If you and I, if we're going to be disciples, I'm not saying run away from your family, okay? What I'm saying is give it all up. Say it's about you, Jesus. And if you want to change where I go to college, I'm a disciple. I'm following you. Jesus, if you want to change where I sit at the lunch table, I'm following you. Jesus, if you want me to leave behind some music, I'm following you. Somebody say, follow Jesus. Let's move on to the next one. I don't even have time to preach all this. Now I'm just going to read it. It says, if anyone loves his father or his mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. That's Jesus talking. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, you and I got to get radical for Jesus Christ. He said, man, I've got to be number one. And know why Jesus wants you to be number one? Because only he, he wants to be number one. Because only he has eternal life. Somebody say eternal life. 
Jesus Christ says you hold on to these things with everything you have. Hold on to your mom. Hold on to your dad. Hold on to your job. Hold on to your money. One day you will be buried alone in a grave and your grave, your body will turn to dust. He says then on judgment day, he'll say, depart from me for I never knew you. If you hold on to this life, you will lose it like sand in your fingers. It will slip through your hands one day. But the Bible says if you let go of it, if you say, God, I'm going to let go of my family. I'm going to let go of my job, my career my dreams, everything that I have. Jesus says if you lose your life, you find it in Him. And when you come to heaven, He says, well done, my good and faithful daughter and son, come into heaven prepared for you. And your family's up here, your brother's up here, because you made a difference. If you try to hold on, you lose it. But if you lose it, you get it. That's the way it works. Jesus didn't say try to make yourself better. He just said throw your whole life in my hands. I call it the Holy Ghost stick up. It's like, man, I Thank you, Jesus. I'm not holding on to anything anymore. It's all yours. Don't try to hold on to your relationships. For ten years I was a single man, but God brought me my wife right on time. Amen. And she's a bonita, senorita. You heard? Man, don't try to hold on to things. Just say, God, it's your will be done, not mine. Amen? Somebody say, I ain't. Now the second thing, turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 31. Everybody say, Connect. If you look at number five, explain what it means to connect to Jesus and discipleship. It means to leave everything behind. To put God as number one. Put nothing before him. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Connect to him. Never let go of him. That's what it means. Now the second thing is, they, they were trained to live like Jesus. They did not just come. See, you come here, you sit down, you, you amen, you respect me, that's awesome. But that wasn't what it was about. Even with Jesus. Imagine if I wasn't preaching. And when I'm sitting right there and I'm watching Jesus with you. Man, he's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's feeding the 5,000. But guess what? Even as awesome as that was, he said, no, 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 no. You haven't just come to watch me do it. I've come to train you to do it, son. Are you all getting that? Jesus didn't just say, hey, man, come look, look, listen to me and watch me do it. No, brother. He said, I'm going to train you to do it. That's what a disciple is. And what an honor it is that Jesus Christ calls young people like us. He says, look, man, I'll train you, Chris. I'll train you, girl, Kathy. I'll train you, Jared. I'll train you, Iggy. And I'll send you out to do what I did. What an honor it is to work for Jesus. How many of y'all working for the Lord? Somebody say, I'm working. Man, it's a good thing to work for God. Rather work for the, the Lord and then work for the devil. Hello? Some people out there are still working for the devil. Who do you think Tupac was working for? Hello? You think he was working for God? Who do you think these politicians working for? You think they work for God? Come on, man. I'd rather work for God than work for the devil. Look what John 8:31 says about being mentored. To the Jews that which believed in him. Everybody say they believed in him. Say it like you're up. Come on. They believed in him. All right, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my what? My what? He says, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Everybody who believes in Jesus, raise your hands right now. Come on, raise your hands. Let me tell you something, with hands raised. If you really believe in Jesus, you got to hold to his teachings and then be a disciple, y'all. 
That's where it is. Yeah, you believe in God. Praise the Lord. You believe in him. I'm glad you're not atheistic like this world is becoming. The Rational Response Squad started on YouTube, the Blasphemy Challenge, where teenagers and young adults your age look into a webcam and say, F God, F Jesus. They all like the, they all like the leprechauns and, and fairy tales and Peter Pan. I don't believe in Jesus. I blaspheme the Lord. They're doing it on YouTube right now. Over a million people have blasphemed God. This generation is right now in a troubled state because young people, young adults are blaspheming God. They say about that new movie, The Compass, that at the end it symbolizes the death of God. People are trying to put into your head that you don't need God. Yes, I'm happy you came to church. Yes, I'm happy you got up and came here and you raised your hands and worship and you just raised your hands and confessed his name. But I'm saying Jesus wants you to know he's got some more stuff for you. He wants you to hold on to his teachings and be a disciple. There's a plan in your life to change the world he's got a plan amen i am spitting like a spitter i like to see spit like shooting everywhere right now look at your neighbor and say change the world oh praise god disciple to be trained and live like jesus discipline to be given instruction as a disciple the word discipline comes from the root word disciple it means to have someone train you. It means to be disciplined by someone else. Have you been disciplined by your coach, players, and all you guys that like to do that? Have you been disciplined by your art teacher, artist? Jesus is now saying, have you been disciplined as a disciple? Learn how to pray. Learn how to read your Bible. Learn how to come to church. Raise your hands. Learn how to get out these doors. Feed the poor. Help the homeless. Man, we've already been out to the hood. We've been to Cicero, Ohio all this summer and just got the award for it last weekend for going out and changing the inner city and beginning that journey. And I went and said to those people, man, I'm only a two-year-old pastor in this church. If God gives me 50 years, man, the devil better look out because I'm coming after every block that he thinks he owns. Up cheer in Jesus' name. Are you all listening? Somebody's like, Pastor, you don't want to go. I just remember, I got to say, I got to tell on us for a minute. She didn't mean, she didn't mean to be racist. But I just remember that white girl telling me, oh, you're going to go in the hood? You're going to go where I'm black people. You're going to go where they sell. Yeah, I'm going there. And if you don't go with me, you ain't nothing of a Christian disciple or any of those things. Because Jesus Christ had no favorites. He went right up to him. And I remember the first time we went up to Cicero, Ohio. You can even ask my brother. He's like, oh, man, this reminds me of back in the day. This reminds me of back in the day. I'm rushing right up to the drug dealer. 66 Clips, John 316. What you know about the man? Because you better meet him. I remember just walking right up to the fence, slanging drug right over the fence, just slanging the crack right over the fence. Hey, boys, what's going on? It's me, the gringo pastor, here to get you all saved. No, I ain't going to call the police because they ain't going to do nothing, but I'm here to preach to you and get the devil out your life, and you're going to get radical. We're not afraid. Bible says right here, these disciples, these, these, these men believed in him. Jesus said, now it's time to live like you believe in me. Follow my teachings. Jesus was radical. He went to prostitutes. He said, you're forgiven. Come on with me. He said he went up to, to robbers and thieves. Matthew, come on with me. He went up to, to fishermen. Come on with me. Look at your neighbor and say, come on with Jesus. Let's all stand up to our feet today. Come on. God bless you for coming to the house of God tonight. If you're all glad to be here, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Amen. Look what it says. Keep the thing recording, brother. Look what it says. Jesus went up on a mountainside, called to him those he wanted. They came to him. He called, they came. Somebody say, he's calling us. We better come. He appointed 12, designating them apostles that they may be, that may be with him. 
and that he may send them out to preach. The first reason why God calls us to, to be with him, the reason why he calls us is to be with him. Jesus wants you to be with him. The first thing is not just to go out and preach. The first thing is to be with Jesus. It's like imagine that call you get from Michael Jordan or whoever is the baddest out there now in basketball. You know, basketball season coming up. Imagine that first call you get from Michael Jordan. He's like, hey, man, I just want to hang out with you. You would be blown away, right? You would have all these questions you want to ask him, all those things. But somewhere in there, you know you would want to be like, hey, man, can you, can you show me how to shoot the ball, right? You know somewhere in that interview, Adam, you would be like, man, I met him, but I want to ask him now if he can help me. See, Jesus is saying the first reason he calls us is just to be with us. And guess what? He loves you even more than you can love him. He loves you so much. He does, man. He loves you so much. He wants to be with you. In, God, in God's mind up in heaven, basketball goals and football goals, they don't mean anything to him. You see, right now in our society, if, you, if you're not famous, we don't feel like we're important sometimes. But to God, we are important. Reuben, when you talk to the Lord, that, that's it to him. That's more than Michael Jordan calling you. Man, he's like, man, Reuben's talking to me. So the first reason why he calls us is because he loves us. He wants us to spend time with his creation. He loves us like a father loves a son. And the second thing is that he may send them out to preach. Just imagine you're called by Michael Jordan. It's just so great to be around him, but now he starts teaching you. And what if Michael Jordan said, look, man, you want to meet once a week and do this? Let's hang out every week. You're like, really, Mike? He's like, yeah, come on to my house every week. I'm going to do this. And imagine if every week Michael Jordan spent time with you. Would you show up that day? Would you get up early, make sure you were ready? Guess what, y'all? Jesus asking to, to be with you every day. Did you pray to him this week? Did you get up excited to talk to him? Did you come to the place where we talk about him and sing to him? Did you come here excited? And now we get to go talk about him. You know what? If you were trained by Michael Jordan, all you did was just play good basketball and then you die and you never helped out anybody else, you would be selfish. You know why I went out here and we have this place filled on a Friday night? Even though the church that I started Sunday morning or the traditional church, you know why we started Friday night? Because I don't want it just for myself. Some people say, Pastor, you, you, you try to make us be Christians. No, 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 please don't ever think that. I'm not trying to make you be anything. Man, I can't make you be science. I can make you be a Christian. Somebody can make you be a child of the devil. I'm not trying to make you do anything. I'm just so passionate about what God has done. I'm preaching to you. And I'm saying, man, if you really know God and you're spending time with him and he's speaking to you and he's changing your life, you're going to want to go tell somebody else. I want you all to look at the last point. He sent them out. The 11 disciples went to Galilee because that one guy traded was a traitor. I pray that there's none in here today. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshipped him, but still some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now what does he say right here? Go to church? Oh guys, now I, I did all the things, died on the cross. Just go to church now. No, what he, look what he says. Therefore go and make what? What does he tell his disciples to do? Go and what? 
Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Man, it's like a marathon race. It's like one of those relay races. Man, Jesus is running, and then he hands the baton to you, brother. He's like, run, man. Run to this generation. Run to Clemente. Run to Foreman. He's looking at you tonight, Adam, and he's saying, will you run from me? Will you talk about me? Will you make disciples? He's looking at you guys saying, will you go to Lakeside? Will you go to Lakeview and preach my gospel? Every single one of us, Jesus Christ is saying, go, go. Don't stay in the church. Get out the doors. And I used 12 people 2,000 years ago to change this world, and I'll do it again through you, through you, through you. God believes in this vision, and he believes in you. This is a life-changing vision. Let's bow our head and close our eyes tonight in prayer.